Hello, and welcome to Stride and Saunter, episode 176. I'm Kip Clark. And I'm Morgan Jaffe. And today, Morgan, you brought an article entitled Fall In, which talks about seasons, that was published on September 22nd of this year from a blog by Matt Thomas called Submitted for Your Perusal. And this article gets into the nuances of seasonal time and the idea that many of us think about time in 24-hour increments, how much we can get done in a day or perhaps other metrics like weeks, months, and years. But Thomas brings up something interesting in the fact that very rarely do we talk about thinking in a seasonal pattern. And of course, you proposed this topic, so I'd love to know what resonated with you here. This article caught my attention because I was really interested in the idea of it all. It got me to think, how do I change with the seasons? What am I like in the winter or the spring or the summer or the fall? Does that change my personality? Does it change my outlook? Does it change how others perceive me or how I perceive others? It got me thinking a lot and I wanted to have a conversation about different habits that we might have in different seasons and how that affects what's going on in our lives. So to start us off, do you think that you change with the seasons? It's a great starting question, and I definitely think that I do. I have to say, when people have asked me what my favorite season is, I rarely have a concrete answer because I think there's so much to enjoy, at least here in New England, about the variety of seasons we experience. For example, in the wintertime, as an audio person myself, I really love taking walks after a heavy snowfall because sound is noticeably dampened and the world feels quieter. And living in the 21st century, at least in America, where everything in every sense of the word feels really noisy, I love that seclusion and that chance to reflect, which is a huge part of what I enjoy in my own life and often how I find truth or understanding. That said, when you were talking about personality shifts with the seasons, I really identified with that phrasing. Especially when talking about my social behaviors, I think the extroverted side of me exists throughout the year, as does the introverted side. But I think springtime and summertime interactions for me involve a certain sense of whimsy. Which is not to say that I'm never silly in other seasons, and I know listeners of this show haven't really been acquainted with the silly side of Kip, but I think something about the extended daylight and the warmer atmosphere makes me feel freer, whether that is in a homeostatic or biological sense or some primitive connection with the seasons. But the short answer to your question is yes, absolutely I do. And I would turn it back to you. I'd be very curious to hear if you are a seasonally different person. I definitely think that I'm a seasonal person, but I think it just depends on what I am looking to do each season. You were saying that you think you get that question a lot of what is your favorite season? And I think when it comes to favorite season, mine is definitely fall. I feel most confident and comfortable in the fall. I love how nature looks and the trees start changing the colors in their leaves. And I love everything about fall. I love the warm drinks. I love changing clothing. I just feel very at home in fall. That being said, there's something really beautiful about the winter. I'm also a skier, so that's probably where a lot of my love for the winter comes. But it also can feel very isolating. All of a sudden, you aren't able to go to a park and have that connection with people, even if you're not actually interacting with them, but feeling like you're taking up the same physical space as other people in the same way. 
Also, we're living in Massachusetts and it gets very cold in the winter. I've also lived in some other places where it gets very cold or windy and it makes me just want to isolate myself a little more and just hide under blankets and other warm places. And then spring is so interesting to me because it feels like everything's new again. You know, books and literature and movies and pop culture talk about this rebirth that happens in the spring and it's beautiful and it's wonderful and life is just coming back. And then you have summer and summer is wonderful and you get to really enjoy everything at its peak. But I feel like for me personally, I feel like I'm not as comfortable in summer. Sometimes I feel just because of all the heat, I feel sticky and I feel like this isn't my space to be in and I interact with people differently than I would in other seasons. I don't know why. I don't know if it's the season necessarily or the mindset. We go to school for so long as children and teenagers and even as adults in some cases. So I think sometimes in the summer mindset, that's where my brain has been trained to just shut off. I maybe not think about things the same way I might in the fall or winter or spring because that's how we were trained to just now it's vacation or now it's time to not be in an academic mindset. So I definitely feel like I interact with people differently in the summer and in the summer I just want to shut down. But maybe that's also because the summer is so beautiful. That could just be part of my body saying go enjoy swimming, go enjoy this hike that you might not be able to enjoy in the winter when you go into isolation mode. But I definitely feel like I change with the seasons. Which brings us to a central point that Thomas makes early in the article when he asks if people should change with the seasons. And he means more than simple clothing changes or other relatively minor alterations we might make in our lives, but fundamentally for him, how we eat, sleep, live, and work in accordance with different seasons. Which I find really interesting because I think in that we all share the world and share time, we have collectively standardized the way each of us responds to various units of time. For example, it's atypical for someone to spend a lot of waking time at night when most of us are asleep. We expect a lot of leisure time to take place on the weekends. Many people take vacations during the summer, etc., And for me, what's interesting about this article is the idea that we can challenge some of those norms as we relate to time. And for me, the most valuable idea in this article is the reminder that so many of us think in 24-hour increments. I'm sure we've all heard the phrase, there aren't enough hours in the day, which I think carries with it this implication of under-accomplishment or some slight failure in the fact that we have too many things to accomplish within the span of 24 hours. But if we thought differently about time and made weekly checklists or even monthly checklists, we might feel more accomplished because, relatively speaking, you can't accomplish that much in 24 hours, some of which needs to be devoted to sleep. And if we as people changed those increments and said, a day is now three hours, I think we'd all feel incredibly taxed because each of those units, those boxes, if you will, might be relatively empty. This article is a great reminder that time has no units. We as people have imposed those ideas, and perhaps to our detriment when it comes to things like our enjoyment or the tasks we complete within a given span of time. I'm really interested by this concept of time and what that means. You're right, there's not enough hours in a day, but that's how life got broken down. 
And I don't really know if I know why that's how life got broken down. That's not to say that I don't understand why the sunsets here and the sunrises here, that that's a new day. But concepts like weekends or concepts like the 40-hour work week. I've been thinking about this a lot lately in terms of how and why does this exist? And also, how can we value our time and our free time and our work-life balance in different ways than perhaps the standard or the norm has us do it or how we think we have to do it? Another interesting concept you brought up was why think of these checklists in terms of this is what I have to get done today. If we plan our accomplishments instead of around this is what I have to get done today and instead move to a this is what I have to get done this week or I would like to get done this week or this is what I have to get done within the next month or would like to get done within the next month. It's going to take a lot off of our plates and have us focus on our work or on our lives or on our families or on our friends in a different way than perhaps we usually do. When I was in college, I had a coach who said you could do three things well, and that's all you would really have time for. And she said, I want you to do well in academics, and I want you to do well at this sport. So you have time for one more thing. What that thing ends up being is your choice. But she made it sound like family and friends couldn't fit in there, or free time and sleep couldn't fit in and count as two things in one. And on one hand, I understood what she was saying in terms of not spreading yourself too thin or putting too much on your plate. But on the other hand, what a limited view of how to view the world. Because if I had only been focusing on three things, on a sport, academics, and then maybe on my friends, then that really limits you on how you're spending your days and what you can accomplish in a day and also what you can value in a single day or even not a day. She wasn't just talking about a day, even a a semester or a year of school. That idea of what people can handle and perhaps what people can master and maintain at a realistic level of achievement, to me, harkens back to human capacities. And I think a lot of our relationships to time reflect what has been natural for people. I think our understandings of seasons, for example, make a lot of sense in certain industries like agriculture, which of course was essential in human evolution and the survival of our species. And in the agricultural world, spring, winter, fall, and summer have very specific meanings in terms of what you are doing with relationship to your crops and your land. I won't claim to have any deep knowledge on the subject, but I do think seasonal time makes a lot of sense for farmers, as I'm sure it does in other industries. For example, the airline industry, where certain seasons are associated with certain weather phenomena that might make it harder or easier to travel around the world. Thomas also refers to Lewis Mumford's 1937 book entitled Technics and Civilization, where he explains how the clock altered human relations by organizing everything around 24 little hours instead of, say, the rhythm of seasons. And Mumford says, quote, When one thinks of the day as an abstract span of time, one does not go to bed with the chickens on a winter's night. One invents wicks, chimneys, lamps, gaslights, electric lamps, so as to use all the hours belonging to the day. When one thinks of time not as a sequence of experiences, but as a collection of hours, minutes, and seconds, the habits of adding time and saving time come into existence. And what's really fascinating to me there is this idea of saving and adding time, because 
you're given an amount of time to live your life, and certainly things like exercise or physical health can extend the amount of time you have or enjoy, but time doesn't operate in the ways we often believe it does or insist that it does. And especially in a seasonal example, which illustrates this perfectly, you can't extend fall, you can't extend summer. Those weather patterns may persist, but give or take a certain amount of time, they operate within the quadrants of the year that they've been designated. And that ties into a point Thomas brings up throughout the article, which is that people have almost an adversarial relationship with nature in a lot of cases, not using it to dictate or guide their actions, but rather using it as an opponent to say, I will overcome natural boundaries and phenomena. I think Mumford also brings this up in alluding to candles or lamps, ways with which we can say, I realize the sun is down, but I still need light so that I can still work or behave after dark. And what I find really beautiful about the seasons in that context is that they are so vast and large, they have not been compartmentalized into 24-hour chunks, that you cannot overcome, overwhelm, or surpass them. When it starts snowing in the wintertime, you can certainly shovel the snow and try to melt certain partitions of it, but snow is coming, and therefore winter is here. And I do think the seasonal realm is an area where our relationship as people to time has sort of broken down. We don't seem to have a conscientious relationship to seasonal time, in my opinion. One thing you said that I really wanted to respond to was that you can't extend fall and you can't extend summer. But arguably, you kind of can. In one way, it could be in a mindset. Like I was saying that I find that I isolate myself a little more in the winter than I do in the fall or the spring. And so I could go into winter with a different mindset. So that's one way. But another way could also be there are people who move depending on what season they most want to experience. And that could be that they tend to like warmer weather and they don't like the winter. So they live in California or in the south because they know they don't want to experience, for example, in New England weather. There are people who love winter and will travel around the world to go wherever there is snow. So I think in some ways you can extend fall or summer or other seasons. It might be harder to do that with a mindset, but there are definitely ways around it for better or worse. Another thing I really wanted to bring up was daylight savings. I hate daylight savings. I think it is silly. I think it is outdated. I think it's annoying. I don't know if it makes sense in the age that we live in now to still have daylight savings in the way that we have had it. I've also heard the argument that the United States, instead of having all the different time zones that it has, should just have two, that it should have a time zone just for the East Coast and a time zone just for the West Coast. And I'm not saying I agree with that, because I imagine if you live in the Midwest, well, that kind of sounds like ignoring an entire part of the country. But it's just so interesting, this concept of time and hours in the day and how we function with those hours. Because you're right, and Thomas is right. The sun went down, and now we have candles and electricity and ways to stay awake longer. Maybe that's why coffee is such a wonderful creation. It helps us stay awake in the morning, but also potentially later at night. And there are also ways to pretend that it's darker for longer. There are items like blackout curtains so that you can sleep for longer hours in the day if the sun's going to rise incredibly early in your area. I have been to Alaska and it was during the winter and the sun would only be up for three or four hours. And my internal clock was so confused that all I wanted to do all day was sleep. 
I just wanted to sleep and it was very cold, so I just wanted to wear a lot of layers and not do anything. I understood hibernation all of a sudden in a very real way. But it's so interesting how much seasons affect us, time affects us, even sunlight and how much of it we are experiencing and getting to have in our day to day, how much that can affect us. In college, I was living in upstate New York, and there were so many people who would go through SAD, seasonal affective disorder, because the sun was not out. And in the winter, no sun mixed with all the cold. You just had a lot of depressed college students. I even have family there. And when one of my cousins was really little, she was visiting Massachusetts and she was so confused visiting Boston. She asked my parents, why is the sky blue? Which is shocking because when you think of small children, if they draw, you know, a picture of a house or of their family and if they draw in the sky, that's the first crayon color you think they're going to grab is blue. But it was just so overcast in upstate New York most of the time. That wasn't her experience. I just think it's so interesting how much seasons can really affect us and nature can affect us and time and all the relationships to all that, how all these factors can form and create our reaction and our response to seasons. I think that anecdote about your cousin is testament to the fact that we do all experience the world in really interesting ways. And so it's worth asking other people what their associations are with seasons, which is what I think we often get at when we ask people if they have a favorite season. Thomas closes the article by saying, In sum, as the earth wobbles around the sun, don't be afraid to switch things up. I can't promise an uptick in productivity, but when you think of things in terms of seasons instead of a single day, the entire year becomes your canvas. And I find that particularly encouraging. I've often brought up capitalism in previous episodes of this show and the philosophy I think it instills and disseminates throughout a population. And I'm open to the idea that 24-hour days, as I'd brought up earlier, impose a sense of limitation on each of us, that there's only so much we can do. And I do think if people thought about lives in terms of years, perhaps seasons, as Thomas brings up, we might all feel more empowered in our relationships, our personal endeavors, our careers, maybe even our creative pursuits. School came up a lot in this conversation, and I was reminded in preparing for this episode of how thoroughly school influenced my perceptions of time, perhaps in the negative, but in the positive, in its ability to very clearly delineate and help me organize certain years of my life. I know where I was in 2006, and my relationship to that school year can help me pinpoint who I was, what I was doing, who I was with, etc., And I suspect similar benefits might emerge if we thought about seasons in that way. But of course, as ever, before we close this episode, what would you like the audience to think about after listening to this discussion? What I would love a listener to think about is their relationship to time and their relationship to seasons. Do parts of you change from season to season or even time of day to time of day? Looking at the frequent inquiry about favorite seasons, I'd be really interested to know if anyone listening has a least favorite season, perhaps because of how it makes you feel, what it might cause you to become, or even societal and larger phenomena that you're not fond of, which you anticipate with this specific season. Related to questions of time, which I think are especially fascinating in this topic, I'd love to know if listeners out there organize their time in atypical patterns. Do you think about periods of multiple days, or even fortnights, or a different metric that we haven't brought up? 
And lastly, because nature is of course present throughout this conversation, is there a season in which you most feel connected with or aligned with nature in some way? I'd be really interested to hear. But of course, as always, we want this to be a conversation among, not simply a conversation between. Ours are only two voices, and all of us experience seasons in one way or another. So if you have any thoughts, feedback, or opinions of any kind, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Twitter or on Facebook. You can also email us via strideandsaunter at gmail.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing to the show, as well as supporting us on Patreon, where you can enjoy perks like bonus episodes in exchange for your support. And as always, we thank you very much for listening, and from thought to word and voice to ear, this is Kip Clark, signing off. And I'm Morgan Jaffe. See you next time.